Welcome to Geocache Adventures with me, Shadow Dragon One, where I explore the world of geocaching. If you enjoy the show, please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Geocache Adventures Facebook page. You can also follow Geo Adventures on Buy Me a Coffee for a behind the scenes look on every episode. That's one word G E O Adventures. It's free to follow, or you can become a member and unlock exclusive posts and information. Your memberships go a long way for helping support the podcast and are greatly appreciated. This interview was recorded using Zoom and may sound different than other podcast audio. Hi, everybody. Amy, Shadow Dragon One here, and with me today is fellow geocacher, Unit Zoid. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So to get started, I always like to hear what people's current stats are. I'm an engineer and I just, I love numbers and charts and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So it's always intriguing to me. Gotcha. Well, I've been geocaching for 16 years now. I started in September of 2005. Uh, I currently have 5,255 finds and I've hidden 100, 130 uh, geocaches, uh, 64 of which are still active. Okay. And if we're talking stats, uh, I've completed the Jasmine, hooray! Nice. And I'm um, so close to that fizzy. I'm two away from that fizzy challenge. You know, they require a kayak and oh. or a boat or something. And one of these days, I just got to get out on uh, either Mark Twain Lake or uh, down at Lake of the Ozarks and see if I can sew that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with that. Hopefully you get there. So how did you first get into geocaching? Well, I actually started with a uh, getting a GPS back in uh, 2000, 2001, when they first opened things up. And I didn't start geocaching, but I was marking a lot of cool and interesting places. And in 2005, I was walking through Rockbridge Memorial State Park here in Columbia. You know, I was you know, marking the bridge and Devil's Icebox, a few cool places. And a couple stopped me and said, hey, are you geocaching? And my response, of course, was what we're now used to hearing, geo what? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't really explain, but they kind of went on their way, and I looked it up online, uh, found a few caches here and there for the first few years, and then in 2008, I really dug into it. So you, once you dug into it, you got the bug, and you've just been doing it ever since, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I became quite emphatic 2008 onwards, and uh, I mean, there were a lot of finds. It's taken me, geez, it's taken me... A lot of different places. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, that's, that's a great part of geocaching. So you're joining us today because you have a particular cache that I just find absolutely mind-boggling and very amusing because it's sort of special in its own little way. You have this particular cache called It's Maplewood. Mm -hmm. And a little background, it's a DT53. It's a puzzle cache. Yes. It was hidden on September 24th of 2011 and mm -hmm. here we are a little over 10 years later and we still have no <laughs> finds on it which is just astounding right. to me so let's talk a little bit about this when you when it first published like how long did you I, Usually we publish it, and I think after a couple of days we expect something to be found. It is right. difficult terrain, or it is a more difficult cache. But how long did you expect it to take before somebody actually? Uh, uh, 
Honestly, uh, within a week or so, <laughs> because its two predecessors, its green and its sepia, were solved within uh, less than a week. <laughs> and it actually didn't start as a difficulty five. That only came after like the third year of not being found. It was originally a difficulty four. Oh, okay. And and uh, a local geocacher, RDD, encouraged me to increase the difficulty. Okay, so a, a week goes by, two weeks goes by, it's not being found. What what are you thinking on your end? Well, honestly, on my end, I was like, well, someone will find it eventually. And I worked on uh, creating other caches in the area. <laughs> so what a year went by. At that point, what was that like? Were you thinking that maybe this is too hard? Maybe I need to do something different? Well, I mean, after a year, I'm like, well, I'll put out some others uh, that have a similar theme. So I, uh, that was about the year I published uh, It's Burgundy and It's Pistachio, which originally was titled It's Metallic Moss. And uh, yeah, the pistachio cache also took a while for people to <laughs> figure out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't, I won't say terribly surprising because at the time there were many other caches in Missouri that were all, had like years and years they'd been sitting out there without a find, uh, especially around Springfield where people would put out mystery caches and try to one-up each other. <laughs> oh. I, I remember one in particular, uh, gosh, the name escapes me right now, but it was a, uh, a cache that had a video attached, and you would think, oh, video, no problem. The person said, hey, I'm just going to uh, take you from town square straight to the cache in the video. However, it was recorded at night, and they applied a kaleidoscope effect to the video. And to my knowledge, that cache was never found. It was eventually archived. Wow. <laughs> okay, that's wild. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the, the puzzle caches down in Springfield were crazy for a while. Have you ever considered archiving your cache? Oh, no. Never. <laughs> but wait, now, now that you bring it up, maybe I... No, no, no. no. <laughs> this is what finally causes you to archive the cache as my podcast, great. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's been 10 years. It's been a little too long, you know. Lonely. No, no. No, I, I, I think that someone will figure it out eventually. They have to. <laughs> so you mentioned that there's others like this. So there's a series that this is part of. So how many are in that series? Uh, that are still around or that are archived? <laughs> Let's start with, with total. Okay, so I got to count it up okay. here because I have a list. 10. 10. And how many are still active? Well, of course, uh, there's It's Maple Wood, It's Limestone, and uh, golly, is that it? Wow. <laughs> Two remain. Hmm. Okay. That, that doesn't mean people can't uh, solve the other puzzles. I mean, uh, the links are still available on both the Maplewood and the uh, limestone caches to go to the others, but. The, the containers just aren't there. Yeah. So all the other ones in the series have all been found? at some point? Yes. Uh, I would say that the fine log for pistachio was the most memorable. Because <laughs> <laughs> pistachio, uh, originally, as I said, it originally started as uh, it, metallic moss. It's metallic moss. Uh, but someone stole the container within a few days. Oh, my. Obviously, I didn't hide it well enough. So with near coordinates came a new puzzle. I kept the same GC number. And, uh, you know, just moved it, I would say, probably about 50 feet away. And it stayed there for a about a year. Uh, 
And at that time, uh, there was a group effort to find it. It was RDD, DP Hickey, Scorpio 1537, and Fearless Knits. They brainstormed on it and came to the solution and decided that they absolutely had to get the first to find as soon as possible during an ice storm. Oh, my. So they drove out to this park, this hilly park, <laughs> and uh, oh, they were no. just slipping and sliding down the hills <laughs> oh, until they gosh. found the cache. And, of course, as soon as they found it, one of the trees nearby collapsed. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, just big kaboom. And, uh, yeah, they, they didn't stick around very long, <laughs> but they did make that find. That's crazy. That's hardcore. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know why they were in such a hurry. I mean, I doubt anyone else had solved it. But hey, first to find's call. And uh, RDD <laughs> was one heck of a first to find hound. Uh, I seem to remember uh, there was an event in Jefferson City hosted by Fried Okra. Uh, he was a charter member. Not so active these days. Uh, but he had an event over at Binder Lake in Jeff City. And uh, it was like a spaghetti meal get together. It was really cool. And during the event, while everyone's eating their spaghetti, you know, he had published all these new caches. He said, well, I've got one I haven't told you about yet. And he read off the coordinates. And instantly, RDD was out like a shot, spaghetti flying behind him as he <laughs> ran out of the pavilion. Everyone chased after him. They did not want RDD to get the first to find on that cache. And it was right there at the edge of Binder Lake. So, yeah, it's one of those water pipe caches where you got to fill the pipe and, you know, plug the holes and let the cache float to the top. Oh, okay. And so everyone was trying to keep him from getting water into the pipe. <laughs> and, you know, there's this mob around the cache. And eventually there's enough water. And, you know, it was bobbing at the top and people were trying to push his hands away, keep him from grabbing the container. And I was slippery enough. I was able to snatch that container myself. Nice. I just kind of looked at it. Looked at RDD, and I handed it to him. <laughs> and, and there was just a collective, no, <laughs> from everyone in the crowd. <laughs> but yeah, no, first defines uh, are taken pretty darn seriously around mid-Missouri. <laughs> they, they can be taken very seriously. I mean, these days, uh, I think it's control freaks who... Uh, ends up with a lot of the first defines. I mean, it's published and within a few hours, boom, they're there, they've got it. <laughs> up here in the St. Charles, St. Louis area, this time of the year they do um, the caching slaga organization or slaga, mm -hmm. I, I never pronounce that right. They do a 12 days of cash miss. Right. So for 12 days constant, they post and there's that special ornament for the first to find and I, mm -hmm. There's always videos and pictures of people fighting for the first to find on Facebook. And it's, it's fun to watch. <laughs> Just a <the> pandemonium. <laughs> it is. It can feel like pandemonium. It's, it's funny. It's, it's neat to see a group so active like that. And, these mm -hmm. logs where people have just like it popped up and we just dropped everything at work and ran out the door without you know they figure, they figure it out when we get back and it's just hilarious some some of the logs and stuff that you get from these first to find races it's it's fun to read about which you know which goes back to cash the 10 years with no first to find like that, right. I I'm frustrated by that and it's like <laughs> and I keep looking at the puzzle and I am just absolutely lost to be honest with you and 
on your cash page, it says no hint will be provided until after the first fine. Right. Is that typical of what you do with your, your hides? Uh, these days, yes. These days, I'm very much, uh, as I said, you know, the first fine competition is pretty fierce in Columbia, uh, or especially mid-Missouri. So I, I tend to not give hints for the first to find. Okay. Just to kind of keep the competition a little, little more fun for them? Or? Well, it wouldn't be fair for the, uh, the first to find. They should receive all the accolades and the prizes thereof of uh, find, being the first to find that cash, including, uh, you know, in this particular instance, uh, Maplewood would qualify pretty much for any lonely challenge out there. Yeah. If it doesn't, I would be surprised. And unfortunately, I have another cash out there, degrees of difficulty that's edging in that direction as well. Oh, man. <laughs> will it ever get to a point where you would consider putting out the hint before the first to find? Like if, if another five years goes by? Um, probably not. <laughs> Honestly. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I originally intended like a Wergo hint around uh, the Maplewood Estate here in Columbia. Uh, but I abandoned that idea. Uh, especially considering I, I had talked to RDD about it and he's like, no, 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 people should, you know, get that reward of the first to find. Don't make it too easy. I'm <laughs> like, all right, sure. Well, if, if whoever eventually finds this will definitely have earned that first to find, I would say. Oh, yes. So I imagine that there has, there must have been at least some outreach from other cashers over this, either asking for hints or or see, is it even still there? Or it, what, what kind of outreach have you gotten on this? Well, a lot. Uh, you'll see posted on the cash page, actually. Yeah. <laughs> People are posting notes to the cash page. Uh, I have received a few emails, uh, most of which are on the tune of, uh, hey, can you provide a hint? Or, hey, here's my thought process. Here's what I've done so far. How close am I? What do I need to do next? And, of course, I always respond with, sorry, uh, no no nudges, no hints for the first to find. I've had also people uh, at geocaching events, of course, prior to COVID, that would ask me, you know, hey, what do I need to know? It's like, well, sorry, I just can't provide any hints for this. Uh, the most notable communique was uh, a person out of California who called themselves, uh, or called themselves the cane of first to finds. And they went in great detail saying, if I could just give them the coordinates, <laughs> they would make this the crown jewel of their first defines. And I had to decline their request. <laughs> I, I have so many questions about this puzzle, but I don't want to ask anything that would give something away. I mean, all I can say is that it spawned, well, not intentionally this one in particular, but I was interested in, in the construction of these sorts of puzzles. It, it created an entire series. And I always encourage people to, you know, work the series. And that's, I guess that's as close to, to a hint as anyone gets really on it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It is interesting. So for anybody that hasn't looked at the cash page, you go there and I, I've looked at the whole series and each thing in the series, there's typically a paragraph that talks something about art of some sort. And then there's a, a picture there and that's, that's pretty much the whole thing. And yeah. it's not necessarily a picture that has an obvious puzzle to it. Mm -hmm. It's usually, it looks like it's maybe a layered picture with it's all based on the color for that series color. So it's very interesting. And it's just absolutely mind boggling to me. 
to be completely honest with you, <laughs> I'm not necessarily the best at puzzle caches anyways, but I look at it and I'm like, I don't even know where to start other than I know it has something to do with this picture. <laughs> well, what's weird is it all started because of a potato. A potato? <laughs> a potato. I've got to hear this. So uh, sometimes I forget things in the fridge. Okay. I'm not as bad as I used to be about it, but potato decides sprout. Okay. And I felt bad about that, so I planted it. You know, because it took pictures along its journey, you know, the original potato before sprouting, sprouted in the dirt, and then finally in a garden. Um, and I assembled these pictures and uh, thought, well, this is kind of, you know, I was talking to, uh, oh gosh, I think it was Atomic Goat's Breath. We were driving back, back to Columbia from Jefferson City. And we were remarking about uh, potato cashers, you know, otherwise at the time known as armchair cashers, you know, those people who kind of just solve at home and then zip out and find the cash. And I thought, hmm, well, I do have these photos of a potato I've been taking care of. Why not? So the original uh, of the series was actually called Cash Potato oh. and had the, the description of the journey of this potato. <laughs> and no one was able to solve that one. Really? So uh, it was remade into It's Green, the first in the series, because there was a lot of confusion. Granted, about a month passed before I'm like, okay, I'm going to rework this. And uh, it was named It's Green because the container was a uh, plastic green pepper. Oh. And yeah, that's what kind of spawned the color idea. And then from there on, you know, of course, the puzzle itself was color based, you know, it's kind of tinted for the container at that time. And after that, every container had the same coloration as the namesake of the cache. Oh, that's a neat way to, to tie them in. Yeah. It's very cool. So which one out of the series, what order was Maplewood? Was it the third or fourth or? It was the third one I published. The third one you published. Um, okay. Yeah, the, the first was It's Green and then It's Sepia. And dang it, I wish that It's Sepia was out there because a lot of people really enjoyed solving that one. And unfortunately, uh, the Columbia Parks Department trimmed the tree <laughs> and took the cash, and there's nowhere to hide it anymore. I mean, it was a nice thicket close to a road. And with, with no geo cover, I mean, yeah, no, it'd be, it'd be taken in moments if I ever replaced it. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever thought of those archived ones, pulling them back out and finding a way to, to re redo them to keep the, the series out there? Honestly, not really. Uh, I, I like each of them to be unique. I don't like to retread old ideas or old locations. Okay, that's uh, fair. Because it, it keeps the location open should someone else have another idea and want to put a cache there. I try not to recycle spots as much as possible. Or ideas. <laughs> uh, I mean, e each of the color caches is unique in the way it's solved. Uh, so uh, I, I, I do have another idea in the wings that's much harder oh my. than any of the ones I've put out, but I refuse to actually publish that idea simply because Maplewood is causing so much trouble. I, I don't want to, my goal isn't to put out impossible caches. I want caches that people solve, get a feeling of, you know, oh man, I feel rewarded. This is awesome. And get out and, you know, find that container and just that exhilaration, you know, I, I don't want to just put out, constantly churn out impossible things. I think the only real exception to that is degrees of difficulty, which is meant to be a very difficult cache. Right. <laughs> oh my. So maybe I can ask this without giving 
So, like I said, I have so many questions, but I know some of the ones I want to ask would give something away. So you had the, you said you had the potato. Yes. And, and the container came from the greed. What inspired you to make it into a series? Well, uh, I would just say It's Green kind of uh, had a lot of positive feedback when people were able to solve it. So I moved on to It's Epian, same deal. So it just kind of rolled from there. I, mean, I, will, I will say at some point, <laughs> it became more about uh, educating on how to do these sorts of puzzles. Okay. And what made you decide to use, and, and if I ask something that you don't feel comfortable answering because it'll give something away. Just tell me. But what made you decide to do a, like an art type puzzle? Oh, uh, well, I actually have a background in uh, cartooning. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I published a cartoon uh, for eight years. Uh, and I, I don't provide the information on that simply because it was so long ago and I've, I've moved on from that. Okay. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I've... Uh, Gosh, I'm trying to think what I can say here that won't give anything away. Yeah, I can't really say. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I had something in mind there. It's like, oh, I could talk about this or this, but like, mm, nope, can't do that. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, this is, this is, such, I'm so intrigued by this. And it's kind of a hard one to ask questions on without yeah. trying to give something away because we don't want to give something away because obviously that's. That's kind of your goal is to not right. give away information for the first to find. But it, at the same time, it's like, oh, I have like a thousand questions that I would love to ask. But does that mean we'll get to title this podcast Much Ado About Nothing? Oh, <laughs> that might be. I might. <laughs> that might be a good one. <laughs> yeah, because, oh. I can only imagine people are going to listen to this and be like, come on, you talked for so long about this and we know nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it really is just intriguing to me. And I have shared the cast page in a couple of places and I just post on there. This hasn't been found in 10 years. Will somebody please solve this and find it? Like it, is driving me nuts. <laughs> and, and honestly, I thought, again, the Springfield caches would outlast Maplewood, uh, but they've all been archived. Maplewood, uh, as of this uh, conversation, is the oldest unfound cache in Missouri. And I wow. really wish someone would find it. <laughs> if you get that email saying it's been found, are you going to celebrate? Are you going to have to like rush out and verify <laughs> that it was actually signed in the log to believe it? Or like... <laughs> Oh, I, I, I mean, if, if it comes in, I will be running out there to see if it actually been found. <laughs> I mean, even, even from work, I'll just tell my boss, hey, I got to go. This is a, an emergency. I got to run and I will be out there. Yeah, and I'm not it, normally but, big on, on verifying the physical log to the digital log. But in this case, it's been so long. I would, I would definitely... Oh, yeah. And I, I'm not sure I'd believe it. <laughs> this, is, this is not an invitation for people to post fake fine logs just to follow me out to where the cash is hidden, okay? Please don't do that. <laughs> yes, just to be clear. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't try that as we don't want to uh, cause an issue with that one and actually force it to be archived or something. But you're going to have to have like a celebration oh, yeah. the day that this finally gets found. And <laughs> It'll have to be an event or something. Oh, that would be awesome. Yes. 
the it's been found event. <laughs> Hooray, Maplewood is found. <laughs> I'm sure that within the ensuing days, the solution will go you know, everywhere and suddenly there'll just be a slew of fines on it. Because <laughs> that's how that usually goes, at least in, in mid-Missouri, is that someone finds the cash and other people having trouble saying, hey, 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 you, you found it. How do I solve that? Yeah. I, I have to admit, I've done that before when I've been stuck on puzzle caches as I've messaged the last person said, this is where I'm at. Can you give me a nudge? Because I'm stuck. Which is great because it encourages community with, you know, in our sport of geocaching, it brings people together and we get to meet new people and discuss ideas and even come up with new caches. Yeah, I just, there's a couple geocaches that you can find listed on the website that, like, there's the deep gold one that's in the bottom of the ocean and the um, mm -hmm. one trench one that I'm, Marion Trench or Marriott Trench. I'm, I'm blanking on Mariana. Yes. Thank you. And you kind of expect those to go unfound because it's like, who has that kind of equipment to get down there? Unless you're a scientist that geocaches and knows about it, right? it's going to go unfound. But something like this, you actually would expect to have been found at some point. And the fact that it still isn't found is just what mind boggles me so much. It just, yeah, and I'm I'm a little if you can't tell I'm a little bit stuck on it because I'm just like why can't anybody solve this? Like I can maybe get why I can't solve it, but there's got to be some there's smarter people than me out there geocaching. Why can they not solve it? And as I said, people have uh, emailed me their ideas and what they've tried and uh I can neither confirm nor deny how close they were. In case someone's like, "Oh, hey." Yeah. And if I recall correctly, there is a geo-checker on the page, correct? Oh, oh, the geo-checker. Oh, yes, my. there is a geo-checker. <laughs> well, it's because I, I, I receive uh, logs of what people have tried. And oh. people have tried canvassing entire parks in Columbia. Really? Just, you know, just, yeah. I mean, just they'll, they'll, they'll up the coordinates by one or two digits and just start canvassing, hoping they get the geochecker to tell them it's correct. <laughs> oh, wow. Of course, at, at some point, the geochecker blocks them out and says, nope, sorry, you, you, you can't be doing that. <laughs> right, it only allows so many. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, no, people have really hammered it. <laughs> wow. So, okay, maybe I can ask you this without giving anything away, because I know the rules for puzzle caches have kind of changed a bit since they, mm -hmm. they first came out. And the current guidelines, it has to be within, I don't remember if it's one or two miles of the posted coordinates. The current rule is uh, within two miles of the posted coordinates. Within two miles. Does this one fall? Was this one published now you're, you're pre the requirements or post the requirements? <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't answer Yeah, that so question. you're asking a, a distance, and I, I yeah. can't answer that. <sighs> Yeah, I like I said, I have so many questions, and I know so many of them can't be answered without giving something away. It's just driving me nuts. <laughs> well, as I said, I'll work on some of the others in the series. Um, the the introductory one I created was called "It's Not Blue," uh, kind of a spin on uh, uh, well, geez, I'm trying to think. Uh, Blue Sun from 
uh, uh, see the, the name Serenity comes to mind, but no, uh, Firefly TV series. Oh, yeah. Of course, it's at a Walmart. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that's a good starting place and kind of go from there and just work through the series. So do the archived ones in the series have geo-checkers that are still active? Oh, that's a good question. I have not checked to see. I mean, I haven't disabled them. So I'd assume that they'd still be up and running. So if somebody was trying to get used to these type of puzzles to try to solve Maplewood, we could try to right, go they, solve those archived ones and see if we're correct without having to go out and find a container that's I no think longer so. there. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm I mean, suffice it to, to say, I, I, I probably won't be putting out any more color caches. I have other series I'm working on and other ideas. So, and I don't want to just kind of inundate with this one idea of right. how to put a geocache out there. In fact, yesterday I <laughs> took some notes on some new ideas. So, I mean, I've got a couple more I want to put out on. I've got a tree series that helps identify oh. trees, local Missouri trees, you know, help educate on that. Oh, that's cool. Um, I mean, there are so many neat trees that most people just don't know. Like there's uh, the common hackberry or the northern and southern hackberry that have these like warty protrusions. I've seen those all my life and I've always wondered what they were and how important they were to the ecosystem. And uh, yeah, I mean, just introducing things like that. That's neat. But no, I've got some other series ideas I really need to get working on. <laughs> so do you, are a lot of your series, um, these mystery, puzzle, unknown, whatever you want to call them, caches? Uh, some are. Uh, definitely the color series is. Uh, now, the, uh, the tree series has been a multi-series. Oh, okay. Which probably wasn't the smartest idea. <laughs> <laughs> because I have found, at least in central Missouri, multis are just not all that popular. Uh, if it's a traditional, people are out there. Uh, but if it's a multi, not so much. But for the multi, I felt that it was important to not put the cash right at the tree. To have, you know, people observe the tree. And use that information to find the cache. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Uh, I have a Sierra Online series based on some old adventure games. It has a variety of cache types, including a uh, Werigo, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. Well, let's see. Uh, some, yeah, like sometimes I'll put caches together in a series that are just in a park or along a trail. So that, you know, if you're on that cache page, you can just click and get to the next one. Cool. Is there anything else about your series or geocaching in general that, that you want to share with us? Oh, God. Oh, my. Uh, <laughs> I know I it's, it's a very blanketed question. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm afraid of coming off as a uh, crotchety old man, even though I'm not all that old. <laughs> well, it, it, a lot of it has to stem from, you know, I, I, I will go and find parking grabs, admittedly, but that really isn't my way of caching. Everyone has their own way of caching, you know? Everyone yeah. does what they enjoy. And there's nothing wrong with everyone's different variety of caching. Some people like those parking grabs. Some people like to hit those trails like the ET highway and just boom, 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 find mm -hmm. those finds. Others uh, kind of fall mid-range and you know, go on city parks and whatnot. Others, like me, uh, will hike 12 to 15 miles to find a cache. Because we're crazy. <laughs> no, no I, I definitely started geocaching uh, when it was mostly still ammo boxes out in the woods, and you'd have to hike several miles to find them. Okay. And of course, the goodies inside back then uh, were more valuable, I'll say. 
for instance, I, I went uh, out searching for archived caches in the Columbia area a few years ago uh, with Atomic Goat's Breath and Fried Okra and DP Hickey. And uh, we came across an ammo can that had not been found in 10 years. Coincidence? 10 years. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> but no, it had been archived, but the owner never went out to retrieve it. And of course, when we opened it, there was, a, there was this hiss, this, you know, the air escaping after so long. And inside were guidebooks and not just your standard toys, but actually useful items. You know, back when geocaching was younger, you didn't have a lot of toys. It was more about, hey, this will help you with your hiking or with your exploring, your adventuring. Okay. So I definitely fall, you know, that's my, the kind of stuff I used to find. And that's kind of more the vein I fall in is the, the exploration and the long days. I mean, I'm not looking necessarily for a lot of finds, just interesting finds or just interesting things to get out and do. Very cool. And as I said, that definition for everyone is different. So, and there really is no wrong way to cash. That's very true. Well, unless, unless people, well, I, I, I need well. to step that back a little bit. There are <laughs> wrong ways to cash. Because I've known people who have uh, gone out and found archived virtuals where the user's no longer active and made finds on those. And it's like, well, hmm. <laughs> I, that's, that, I, that didn't even occur to me that you could even find archive virtuals. I mean, I won't explain the methodology, but. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to do a whole thing on finding archive caches, because I know some people go out and hunt them, and it just mind boggles me. I, I did that for a few years here in central Missouri, and we, I, I found, along with Atomic Goat's Breath, some really lonely caches that had been abandoned. Yeah, I'm going to have to dig into that one. I, and, and sometimes... Sometimes it's not intentional, you know, some people kind of fade out from geocaching and they forget they have that stuff out there. Yeah. And other people are very emphatic about collecting their stuff. <laughs> <laughs> to each their own, I guess. It's, right? It is interest. It does leave an interesting aspect to be able to go out there and try to find those for some people. So. Oh, and when you, it's, it's kind of the, you always have that thought when you're trying to find an archive one, okay, is it actually still here? Who would know? No one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just trying to find a lonely cache can be difficult enough when it's been a year or two years or more and nobody's been active and the CO doesn't respond to messages or anything. Right. And you just have no clue. You never actually know if it's still there or not. You know, if it's hidden out in the woods or something, who knows what could have dragged it off. So, Well, and that brings about the question of throwdowns. I mean, when is it right to, to throw something down on an old cache? You know, whether it's, you know, unfound or... Oh, yeah. That gets into a whole other thing. Right. And I know that uh, Mark Twain Lake, you know, when they stopped having MOGA there, you know, of course, they brought it back recently. Uh, but when MOGA wasn't there for a while, you had all these ammo cans that were difficult to hike to. I mean, obviously by boat, it was a lot easier, but if you really <laughs> wanted to challenge yourself, you'd go out there and hike. And uh, just these old ammo cans that you, know, you could spend a day out there and maybe, if you were lucky, find 15 or 20 of them. And, you know, they've been lonely for years and years and years. And if I recall correctly, that's where a lot of people would go, at least in the Slaga area, to complete their lonely challenge. And that's where, again, it comes in the question of throwdown, because uh, a few times I went out there just for the adventure of it, because those hills, oh, man, that is a, that is a strenuous hike. Uh, 
But uh, yeah, I mean, a few times I came across a container that was no longer the ammo can. Someone had thrown down uh, like a, uh, a film canister, you know, no lining, just a piece of paper that had gotten soggy and they called that the find. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It gets, there's, there's some parts of geocaching that it's, it's a, you know, it's just supposed to be a simple, family-friendly game, and then there's certain aspects like throwdowns that get to this whole controversial debate, and mm -hmm. like, it, it's... It's almost like you need to have a panel of geocaches saying, well, I agree with that. Well, I don't agree with that. Well, both of you are right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's exactly like you, you could have a knockout, drag-out throwdown over mm -hmm. something like throwdown replacements are, you know, or to mark archived or not on something. It's wild the things that start to get kind of controversial among geocachers in the game. And it's like, right. but there's really no set rule. You know, there's really, there's no, no rules that I've ever seen published by Groundspeak about that type of thing. And I'm not sure Groundspeak cares too much, you know, just kind of go out there and play the game and... I'm sure the people at Ground Speak all have their own opinions on the matter. It's it's just it's an interesting thing about you know these unspoken rules and are you breaking them or not and do your rules follow somebody else's rules? It's it's a whole thing. <laughs> well, I mean, if something becomes big enough, Ground Speak eventually does step in. They do. Uh, that came up with. Uh, requirements for uh, challenge caches. Like, you know, there was some like, oh, you have to find, like, I actually have one out there. You have to find 101 earth caches. And of course I manually verify that. And for a long time, Groundspeak was like, well, we don't really condone, you know, we don't really support challenge caches. Yeah. Until they started supporting it. <laughs> yeah, and then there were rules set in place and how it had to be verifiable right. and, and such things and, and and of course then you have those that are grandfathered in and you yes. hope that that cache is still active to verify or if you're not caring about it not active <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it 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 gets into uh, it's amazing the wormholes of the different oh, aspects yes. that you can just fall down and keep going and just keep digging through and it <sighs> well and that comes back to first defines too because that's another thing that you know if, if two people show up at the cache at the same time is it the person who grabs the container can they just agree to co-first to find i mean it really depends on the circumstance we actually had uh an event oh i probably shouldn't bring this up but i'm gonna bring it up anyway <laughs> uh, uh, here in mid-Missouri, uh, where there was someone out of state visiting, they were coming to an event, and uh, they were about to get a first to find. You know, someone published a slew of caches, and one of our uh, first to find hounds showed up, like just came screeching to a stop, ran up, pushed them aside, grabbed the container, signed their name first to find, threw it down, jumped back in the car, and took off. Oh my goodness. Because they had to be first to find. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was uh, not so great. Yeah. <laughs> the out-of-state cacher got a very bad taste in their mouth about uh, the local geocaching community. I could understand why <laughs> they might have. Wow. 
My gosh. And really, that should have, I mean, personally, I, that is a situation that should have been a co-first defiance. Like, oh, hey, someone's already here. Have you found the cache yet? No. Hey, let's work on it together because we're community. We're geocachers. Yeah. At least, you know, that's my take on it. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have one first to find. And when I got Woo! there, like, yeah, as soon as I got there, like somebody else showed up and we looked at each other and we're like, we both know what the other person is doing here at this point. Yes. And we were both kind of looking around trying to find it. And, and we found it right about the same time. I was like, oh, I've never, never had a first to find before. And he goes, you know what? I won't even co-first to find it. I've got several. You take it. I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> awesome. And, and I think that's more the occurrence than that one example I gave. I think, I think so it's too. more yeah. that people are friendly. I mean, heck, how, how many times, I mean, if you look at my caching profile, there's some uh, on, on my, I have a list of first to finds. And a lot of them have co first to find with this person or that person or another person. Sometimes there are even three other people. Yeah. <laughs> and we all first, because we all showed up. It's like, oh, it just published. Vroom. Oh, you're here too. And you and you? Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to find the container, no problem. You see that a lot with the Cashmas ones that Slaga puts out oh, up yeah. here is, you know, because it's, it's a race. And I don't know how they decide who gets the ornaments and how that all works out because I've never been there for the mm -hmm. first to find. I'm, if I make it out there on the published date, it's the second or third round of people. But, you know, you, you see the logs. It's like co-first to find with mm -hmm. all these people or they just say you know what you have it you got here first or you're newer or i don't know how they necessarily divide it up but i do see that a lot with co-first defines and you know i actually I, I really do hope that when maplewood is found it will be a co-first define whether it be coincidence or a group working together to solve it i mean because again geocaching is about community to an extent and we all work together in this sport we enjoy Oh, how wild would that be if it was a coincidence after all this time? <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> that would that would just that would be wild. <laughs> I know a few first defines. I, I would kind of linger. I wouldn't get out of the car right away thinking, okay, someone else is going to show up and this will be a, a chance to meet someone and talk to them and you know, share some geocaching stories. Yeah, but in a few of those instances, be like, nope, nope, I'm I'm the only one here. Darn it! Oh well, first to find. <laughs> oh, that's great. Did you have a cache you wanted to highlight? Wow, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> <laughs> a cache to highlight. I mean, we, we've been talking about one in a series that I've done. I mean, uh, we, whether it's mine have, or my we own. We have. It's kind of a highlight in itself. Well, uh, I'm guessing you're asking whether there's a cache that I've enjoyed that I'd like to highlight, not necessarily one of my own. Do you have like a favorite hide or a favorite find? Oh, that is tough because, because a lot know. of my favorites have since been archived. <laughs> A lot of them. We've had that before. Like a lot of, you know, that you can still. The nice thing about archived caches is you can still go see the page online right. and, and see the information and read the logs. And I've had fun just going through and reading logs of some of these archived caches before because, you know, some of them, especially if it was a really creative cache or spot or something. And just reading the logs, I have a couple that, you know, it's just been interesting. Like even like some of these unfound ones, mm -hmm. like we were talking about deep gold. I have a watch page 
that I, I put them on my watch page because people post some hilarious notes on that stuff. And I love to see it pop up. And sometimes I just get so much fun out of fine logs and notes on cache pages that, you know, it's almost as fun as finding a geocache sometimes. Right. Oh, and the, the, you know, there are so many things to read and so many different opinions and experiences for getting to the cache. I think that's why I, uh, well, okay, I'm tuning my own horn a little bit. I probably should have included this in the intro section, but that's why uh, every single one of my logs is unique. I, I don't copy paste any of my logs. I want there to be basically a diary or a journal of my adventures while geocaching. And sometimes that gets difficult, especially, oh, there was one time Atomic Goat's Breath and I went to Indiana to do the uh, Back Home series, and we did 156 caches in one day. Wow. And it took me a month and a half to write all those logs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they it, all had to be different. <laughs> yeah, if it's, if it's like a power trail or something, that can get kind of hard to, to make something unique. Right. And I think there's certain instances where the, the COs kind of expect you're maybe not going to get as many unique logs if it's something like a power trail of 50 plus caches. Mm -hmm. But I think you could still do things like write a unique first log and a unique last log. Right. Even if you don't do anything unique for the ones in between. Well, the thing is, I, I take my promises seriously. And I promised myself that when I started geocaching. So <laughs> I'm going to. Well, I think that's awesome ooh. that you do that. I really do. I think it's part of the reason I don't have as many finds as most people. Because <laughs> I get out there <laughs> and I start finding caches. And I'm like, how many do I really want to find? And how long will it take me to write this up? <laughs> so, do you usually go back to the online website and log your caches that way so it's easier to type or are you doing them on your phone so so uh gosh so I, I of course i was geocaching before it was a smartphone app so i'm pretty old-fashioned i still find it with my handheld gps i've got you know a text file or an xml file on that gps of the finds i have a spreadsheet that i put it into on my computer and then a text file where I will write up all my logs. And of course, they get a couple of passes before I'm happy with them. Because, you know, the first thing you write isn't necessarily grammatically correct. And True. yeah, after the second or third pass, then I start posting. And, you know, it, <laughs> like, for instance, you know, if, I, if there are uh, six finds, that may take me about 45 minutes to write up. And then another three to post because, <laughs> of course, I'm also appending <laughs> pictures and descriptions and other things I think of. That's awesome. Yeah, I love when people add pictures to logs and I don't necessarily do it as much as I should myself. I'm trying to add. I, I do try to write at least a couple sentences, even on a park and grab, you know, it just some, even if it's just something simple out grabbing this while running errands for the day or something, just, you know, something a little more than thanks, thanks for, for the cash. cash. <laughs> yeah. Which awesome. You know, it's, it's still nice to see. I've literally gotten one that was just a period on one of my cash <laughs> sites. They didn't even like, they didn't even type thanks for the cash FTFC, mm -hmm. like just a period. Okay. Did their other logs have punctuation? Like, what this this cash got a question mark. This one got master. I didn't really dig through <laughs> their logs. I just looked at it. It was like, okay, I know it's a quick park and grab, but really, just period. <laughs> that's that's new. <laughs> well, they are making a statement, right? It is some kind of statement, like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not necessarily wrong. 
it's no as a ceo i like reading the fine logs that i get right and as do i and you know but the, that goes back to everyone caches in their own way they do. and there really isn't a wrong way to log a cache unless it is i found it but didn't actually find it yes. that's the wrong way but <laughs> yes but don't don't mark it as logged when and put didn't find it although i have seen you know sometimes you accidentally on the app fat finger it and mark it as is found and I have done that myself. Right. And then somebody messaged me is like, what did you do here? I was like, oh shoot, let me go fix that. Cause I just hit the wrong thing on the phone. Right. Sometimes that kind of stuff happens, but. Well, and, and there are times too that uh, you have found the cash but can't sign the log. Desperately want to sign the log and call it found, but you just can't get there. Because I, I seem to remember I was in, uh, okay, another sidebar. We'll get back to the original question eventually. <laughs> I, I swear to your listeners, we will get there eventually. I think I will call so this much ado about yeah. nothing because we've gone through so awesome. many tangents. and But it's all just, <laughs> I find it all entertaining. Hopefully they'll all find it entertaining. If not, well, then I guess they can skip the episode. But <laughs> well, I guess so. Well, you know, I, I, I've got many stories to tell. I mean, you meet me at any geocaching event, I will talk your ear off <laughs> on various adventures that either I or other people have gone through. But no, uh, real quick, uh, Atomic Goat's Breath were and I were down in Mita, Missouri. <gasps> yes! Oh my God, you know Mita, Missouri? Oh yeah. Oh, my grandparents well, were there and I've never met anybody that knew Mita, Missouri that wasn't in that area. So <laughs> forgive my excitement. <laughs> No, that's quite all right. <laughs> yes, my my grandparent, my my grandpa was originally born in that area, and mm -hmm. at some point they event they they moved up here to St. Charles, and then they eventually moved back there when they were all retired and everything. So I've spent mm -hmm. many many trips going to Mita, Missouri, and for somebody to actually know where the heck that place <laughs> is that doesn't live like right near it. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> well, you can thank Rick and Joy. Uh, Rick and Joy actually doesn't live in Mita. He lives in the area. But he placed uh, a few caches down there in Mita. And uh, what brought Atomic Ghost Breath and I that day, of course, was caching. Uh, but it was a wintry, cold, bitterly cold day. It just, you know, snowed and iced. And we're walking along very precariously on the side of the bluff. And we get to where the cache is supposed to be, and we can see behind a sheet of ice, the cache. This half-inch thick sheet of ice was keeping us from logging the cache. And that kind of raises the question, can you call it a find if you can't get to the log, but can see the container? And it's, you know, if only it wasn't for the ice. Yeah. I <laughs> And uh, spoilers, uh, that is when Atomic Goat's Breath picked up his walking stick and just started bashing that ice until it gave way. <laughs> He's like, we are getting this cash. <laughs> we didn't come all the way here to not make a find. Of course, I've done that a few times myself. <laughs> hey, you know what? If you just busted up the ice, I say go for it. You know, it's, as long as you're not damaging the property or something you know that's a oh, story boy. going after uh, that ice things... yeah because you know i i i'm in st charles you're in columbia i know where mita is that's a bit of a drive yes for you to get down yeah 
Well, geocaching will take you far and wide, yeah. and especially in Missouri, it takes you some places that you never knew existed. I mean, a lot of people would look at that, you know, uh, town sign and say, oh, there's a meta Missouri? Yes. How meta? A lot of people but no, call it meta. meta. <laughs> no, it's meta. Meta. M-E-T-A. Meta. Like, it, it, I understand yep. why people call it meta, but that's like Nevada, Missouri. Every, you know, oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Nevada, mm -hmm. Missouri. It's pronounced Nevada, Missouri. If you go there and ask mm -hmm. the locals, it's Nevada, but it's spelled Nevada. So anybody not from that area calls it Nevada, Missouri, because it's spelled the same mm -hmm. as Nevada. <laughs> right. Missouri has its own pronunciation for things. Yes. <laughs> I think the only one that's actually correct, at least in the sphere of mid-Missouri, is Avaz. <laughs> It's spelled A-U-X-V-A-S-S-E. And I've heard people call it Oxbossy. But, but it's actually, is one of the few places that's pronounced correctly in French as Avaz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then most of us, you know, are doing good to speak English correctly and we just butcher a lot of those <laughs> French and German <laughs> names. And, right? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, have you been to Des Perez, Missouri? Yes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's not that far from. Like, I kid you not. <laughs> I the first time I ever had to go to pair on my own, I was mm -hmm. I passed it up, and I had to call my mom. Like, I cannot find anything that says to pair, and she goes, "How did you spell it when you wrote it down?" And I told mm -hmm. her, she goes, "No, it's." It's French. I'm like, I don't spell French, mom. And she had to spell it mm -hmm. out for me. It was like, oh, does Pierre? Yeah. She's like, no, no, it's it's De Pair, not does Perez. It was like, well, mm -hmm. I grew up in the public school system where sound it out. <laughs> you know, it's right, right. Doesn't work when you're trying to sound out French spellings with the English phonetics. <laughs> oh, God. We have a creek here. We have a creek here that feeds into Missouri that has the same problem. It's uh, the Percy Creek, but it's actually named after a, uh, a rock arch just off the Katy Trail. Uh, I mean, the French is, oh gosh, I'm going to mangle the pronunciation. Uh, Rocher Percy, I think is what it is. But eventually it got shortened to Percy and then Persh, and now it's just Percy, or then Percy, then it's Percy Creek. <laughs> it's not a... None of us can speak French. Right. Uh. <laughs> but anyway, okay, so you had an original question here. I that don't we even remember totally what it was. <laughs> favorite favorite caches. Favorite caches, that's what if it was. I, if I have a favorite <laughs> cache. How the heck did we get all the way oh, to pronunciations? I, from I'm definitely going to call this way. much ado about nothing because it's, it's just yes, been I, so much fun, but we've got on so many tangents and I, I'm loving it. <laughs> dear listeners, I apologize in advance, but, uh, <laughs> but it has given me plenty of time to think about favorite caches. <laughs> um, and actually, there was one, uh, gosh, and oh boy, now I've forgotten the name of it from all the side tangents. Uh, no. Uh, Oh, the name. I'm trying to think of the name. I know where it was. It was there in St. Louis off of the 270 I-44 uh, exchange okay. in Egger Park. Uh, safe cracker. The safe cracker cache. I oh, that, that was one. a bugger bear. Yeah, uh, it took me three tries to get out there and crack that safe. <laughs> I mean, it's this big, heavy, I say big, it was big enough to encase an ammo box, but 
heavy metal box with three pins. And you had to hold this bloody thing up to your ear and turn the pins and have the right depth to hear the click on each one to open the metal box and get to the ammo can. And apparently, I, I think it ultimately, ultimately met its demise. Someone thought it must have been something valuable. And uh, it was chained to a tree, but they pulled down that tree and ripped that cash off of it. Oh, wow. Which is kind of sad, but man, that I can't remember who put that one out, but that was that was an awesome cache. I've, I've heard people course, talk about that one before. Yes, um, and of course, uh, of course, now I'm going to bring it back to Central Missouri because that's where I do I've done a lot of my caching. Uh, but the post-apocalyptic fishing hole was very memorable for me, and it's a multi-cache. It's still active, if I recall. Uh, but it was placed in a time when there were actually still trails in Rocky Fork Conservation Area. That is no longer the case. Now you have to do some severe bushwhacking to get to each stage. And when I did it, uh, I had the wonderful idea of walking to each stage instead of driving to each parking area. and ended up falling in the lake twice. Oh, my. And having to cross a very rickety nearly falling apart old railroad bridge. <laughs> I mean, as I walked, pieces were falling off. <laughs> oh, yikes. Oh, that was an adventure. Uh, and of course, if I'm talking like a, a daily hike, just an easy hike kind of sort of deal, uh, Turkey Creek, which is south side of town in Three Creeks Conservation Area. Uh, that one was put out, I believe, by Glenn Rice many, many, many years ago. It's like a really old cache. But it's just your good old ammo box in the woods. Uh, always watch the hunting regulations, of course, because there is quail hunting yes. out there. But yeah, no. Uh, oh, and of course, then there's irritation. Irritation? Oh, dear Lord. What happened to me during irritation? I mean, I, I, I went over the character limit for a geocaching log, describing my experience. I had the most misfortune of my life on that cache. It was hunting season. Okay. And I, I didn't realize it, so I ran back to California, Missouri to uh, grab like a temporary hunting vest and some snacks. And at, you know, sun, nearing sunset, but it was only a mile and a quarter to the cache. I'm like, oh, no problem, right? I can rush out there, grab it, rush back before sunset, you know, be back, you know, in about 40 minutes. Ended up being four hours. Oh. Because it was underbrush, like it's, it's like river bottom brush. Okay. The river would often come up and flood this area, so it was there was no easy going. So it was dark when I finally got to ground zero. Oh. And you know I've got my flashlight because I had a little bit of kit with me, and of course find the cache. It's like okay, found it, great. Now to get back, and that's when. My light went out because oh, no. the batteries died. And my GPS went out because the batteries died. Oh. And I reached my, my satchel and there are no batteries to be found. I left them in the car. Oh, no. <laughs> so I, all I have left are the double A's in my camera. Oh. And I'm thinking, well, these got to have a charge. I put in my GPS. My GPS says, oh, low battery. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so I alternated the batteries between my GPS and the flashlight. Um, finally found an old road. And I'm following this old road. I'm thinking, okay, I'll just take this old road. I'll avoid the brush, right? 
I'm three quarters of a mile from the parking area when a gun goes off near my head. Oh my God. I hit the dirt and I just say, Hey, there's someone out here. The only response, blam, blam, blam. It's like, okay. So now I'm crawling in the dirt in the dark and I'm going to try to go towards the park, like back into the wood. Cause obviously I must've crossed a property line it sounded here. Like it. Yeah. That, that sounds like a property line <laughs> cross and they were not happy. Uh, spoiler, it wasn't a property line cross. There was another reason, Ooh. but <laughs> I, uh, eventually I, I crawled for about a 10th of a mile before I thought I was kind of safe and just kind of slowly made my way back through the wood and made it back to the parking lot. Uh, of course there were hunters there, you know, with their campers and whatnot. Yeah. And one of them said, Oh, Hey, it's you. We didn't think you'd be coming back. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, oh, well, there was a pack of coyotes. We had to fire our guns at them to get them to go away. Oh. <laughs> Yikes. So that was why there was gunfire. They were chasing the coyote, un un unfortunately, towards me. <laughs> oh, crap. Wow. Yeah. Uh, words of the wise. Uh, Sometimes don't do what Unitzoid does. <laughs> I have a cache that there's a cache called Lookout Trail that's all about that. <laughs> but uh, this was in my early caching days. Always remember, hey kids, here's your educational lesson for the day. Always have extra batteries, two light sources, um, GPS. Someone knows where you are, <laughs> and always look at what your next destination is and kind of know which direction. Have a compass. It's good to have extra geocaching gear for emergencies. Yeah, yeah, but that I now carry almost a full backpack of gear. <laughs> if it's a hike or nothing, anything more than half a mile, backpack goes on. Yeah, good call. So that that cache was named Irritation. Yes. Wow, that is ironically and well, other people well named for that experience. Maybe read Carol the logs. might have been other a little people. better one, but Irritation sounds pretty big. <laughs> But no, no, read those logs. Other people have had similar experiences going out for that cash. That's awesome. I mean, I, it's not awesome. I, it, it is awesome because nobody got hurt, but it's, right? wow. <laughs> so um, Yeah, why is that a favorite? It was so dark. memorable. Don't do irritation in the dark. No. Jeez. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other favorite caches. I mean, I, I've got a whole slew of caches I, I've, I've loved. I mean, geocaching has taken me all across, uh, well, I won't say across the world, but many other countries, other places. I've been to Niagara Falls three times now only because of geocaching. By the way, go to Niagara Falls. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, especially if you go to uh, Goat Island, which is on the American side, and explore the island. Goat Don't just go to the falls. No, no. Yes, that, that's the island that's uh, on uh, that separates the uh, Horseshoe and the American Falls. Are there goats on the island? On the American side of the border. No, not anymore. Oh. <laughs> it's been many years since there are goats. But the reason I say explore the island is that there are many smaller falls and cascades that are often overlooked. Because uh, you know, everyone flocks to Niagara Falls. You know, it's yeah. the big falls. They want to be there. And there's so many people. But if you walk around this island, there's so many peaceful and gorgeous spots. And there's not a soul to be found because they're all looking at the big attraction. <laughs> That's awesome. 
That's awesome. Like I, I've gotten to see the largest sugar maple in Canada. <laughs> Same trip. Um, golly, I'm trying. I mean, of course, all the roadside oddities. Yeah. All the weird things, like the largest rocking chair in the world. Yes. Yes, that's the largest Czech painted egg. <laughs> uh, Sullivan, no, not Sullivan, Missouri. Um, it's Illinois. Shoot, where is Moga supposed? Oh, I'm gonna Martinsville, Martinsville. Illinois, mm -hmm. they have some stuff like that. I think it's been called like the, like the biggest little town or the little town with the biggest things or something because they have mm -hmm. different things like that. Um, yeah, and and then of course if you like that kind of stuff, there's the Route sixty six Adventure Lab series. Right. That's that's perfect for that kind of thing if you want to go trek it across halfway across the country. <laughs> you can see a lot of it that way oh yes the revival of the virtual with the adventure labs maybe those will start calling them adventures and drop the lab part it'll become official i i have heard some people call them adventure caches some still call them adventure labs it's it's kind of a mix on what they're called right now and at this mm -hmm. point i don't really know what the the proper terminology for it is <laughs> i think it's still officially an adventure lab i think the app I think still calls it when you open up the lab or the when you open up the app to do them i think it still says adventure lab on it but i've heard i think you are correct start calling them yes adventure caches mm -hmm. which is a better naming than challenge caches <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if you were involved with uh, with that when they killed it in 2005. I was not. Not not 2005. Sorry, 2000. Oh, geez, 2015 is when. So it I out. I have been actively caching for three years now. But if you look on okay. my geocaching profile, it says I signed up back in 2014 but I never mm -hmm. found my first cache until like five years later, so. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, so those don't quite match up. That's a, it's one of those, I, I heard about it, I signed up, and then mm -hmm. never did anything with it, and then remembered it several years later. It's like, oh, let's go try this. <laughs> right on. So, yeah. <laughs> But no, the, the, uh, the, the challenge cache is basically you could uh, say, oh, just, it's like, it almost like a new type of virtual. And it, you had to do a thing to qualify, right? So you had to go to this location and give a name, or you had to do X number of push-ups in this park, or, you know, you know silly things. Or uh, there was one that was like a climbing challenge, like, oh, you have to ring the bell and climb this pole. I tried that one. That was down in Lebanon, Missouri. And that cold winter day, trying to get up that pole to ring that bell was difficult and then of course uh geocaching said you know this isn't working out so we're going to kill the whole project <laughs> sorry these finds don't count i think a lot of that was because people were abusing it oh um like people would say oh just just tell me hi congratulations you got to find you know things that, that did not require any effort whatsoever and we kind of went against the spirit of it okay of course this was before smartphones were really prevalent uh now that smartphones are prevalent and we have the adventure lab it can actually say oh were you there did you do the thing yeah the location 
you have to be within so many feet of for it to unlock to answer it. So that that makes. And I apologize for all the. Oh, sorry. I was going to say I was going to apologize for all the angry email either I or you are going to receive <laughs> for getting the date wrong for challenge caches. Uh, I had it written down. I have since lost it. I I know it was a thing. I just can't remember the date. So I, I apologize. <laughs> I'm sure there's someone out there saying, no, Unitzoid, you're wrong. It was this year. How could you not remember that? Probably is someone. Or they're laughing at yeah. us because we can't figure it out. What? Right. Maybe a little of both. <laughs> Don't know it need needs to be an addendum to this uh, podcast to say, oh, the date was actually this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it has been so much fun talking with you about so many things today. <laughs> <laughs> That's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. You have to do this again. Yeah. Oh, if anybody ever finds that maple, it's maple wood. You have got to, I mean, I've got it on my watch list because I am dying to see whoever finds that. We will definitely have <laughs> to talk about that again and see if we can get that person or people in on it because that is just. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Most definitely. Yes. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to do this. And I've had a blast and I apologize to the listeners for all the tangents, but that's not entirely new to them if they've listened before to me. So. Well, and if you suddenly see a, a pitch change in voice, just know that part was edited out. <laughs> <laughs> that was when you and so I just went on too long. Yeah, we'll see how much I edit. <laughs> I tend to leave a lot of tangents in, which, uh -oh. <laughs> which may or may not thrill some people, but you know, that's, that's okay. It's going to be, I'm going to add to the title. I am going to call it Much to Do About Nothing, subtitle, <laughs> It's Maplewood, an Unfound Cache with a Lot of Tangents. <laughs> that's what I'll call it. So they'll have a warning. Right on. They'll have a warning. <laughs> well, thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> thank you so much. Absolute gas. This has been so much fun. Thank you for listening to Geocache Adventures. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Have you heard of FTF Magazine? It's the magazine for geocachers, filled with articles and snippets sent in by geocachers just like you. I'm a subscriber myself, and I love it. Check them out today at tftgeo.com and tell them Shadow Dragon 1 sent you. Would you like to be a guest on a show or have a topic you'd like to hear covered? Reach out and let me know. Just go to the geocacheadventures.org website and click on the contact page to reach out.